And it's like, look, I've already proven to myself and to those that are around me that I can make money, that I can exchange time for money. But if I really want my kids and my grandkids to have a family office and to be able to make decisions that impact millions of people, possibly, they can't be changing active time for money. So I need to teach them more than just my sales skills, more than just my ability to build a team. It's got to be much, much bigger than that. Welcome to Million Dollar Flip Flops, the podcast that invites you on a transformative journey to unlock the secrets of living life to the fullest. In this podcast, we dive deep into the minds of thought leaders, game changers, and business builders from around the world. We explore pivotal moments, motivations, challenges conquered, and the inspiration that fuels their success. But this show is about more than just their stories. It's about finding your own path to success. If you're a business owner feeling trapped, overwhelmed, and longing for the time freedom you once dreamt of, this podcast is your beacon of hope. And guiding you on this journey is none other than Roderick Lenhart, a number one best-selling author, international speaker, and certified business coach. His multi-number one best-selling book, Million Dollar Flip-Flops, is centered on his signature waves method, giving business owners the tools they need to change their lives and build an aligned business that brings them success and true fulfillment. So buckle up, because here we go. I've actually got one kind of interesting question I want to ask you only because you're okay. also an amazing host and you get to tell your story a lot. And maybe we'll just start there. It's what's okay. one thing you've never told anyone on your show or on anyone mm -hmm. else's show? Could be a challenge you overcome. Could be a deep dark secret about money laundering you don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> I do live close to the Lake of the Ozarks. <laughs> wow. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Let's say it like this: I exited a few of my businesses, and it was great in the moment, and I'm still dealing with some backlash on bad agreements and bad trust. <laughs> and there's obviously money involved in that. And um, not so much necessarily risk for me. But, um, you know, just the way that the deal was structured, seller finance type of scenario, it just brings me into conversations that I don't want to be in. And it takes a lot of not a lot, some energy that is just like, bro, like, I don't I shouldn't have to deal with this right now. But I am. So hopefully that uh, just actually as of as of last week, um, hopefully that's we've kind of put a pin in that for a minute. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not going to say that this exact scenario happened to me in the last 24 hours, but I'm going to oh. go ahead and say that this exists. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't get it. I won't get into the details on that. Just like you don't want to get the details on yours. But I think so. What would you say the lesson is there? Well, I mean, for someone yet the... to exit. What's the lesson? Yeah. Well, okay. There's a, there's like a couple of pieces there. One, I was motivated to exit. And, and anytime that you're motivated, you don't have leverage. And it wasn't because I didn't, I mean, I still, I still have some of those franchises in other locations. And so it wasn't like I didn't want the business. It's just this particular region um, was, was a challenge for me to continue to run. And it just made sense at this moment. And this individual just couldn't do the deal without the way that we structured it. And so it all made sense. But I knew in the back of my mind that, you know, I was tying myself to somebody. 
and their decision making. And, you know, that that's tough because the obvious one that people want to grab onto is cynicism, which is, well, I'll just never, I'll just never trust anybody ever again. And I'll just, da, 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 da. and, and I just don't, I just can't operate like that, man. Um, I've, yeah. I've done multiple deals since then and, and they'll probably all be just fine. Um, unfortunately there's a rotten egg here or there. And, and I think it's just more than anything, just that humans are humans and contracts are beautiful. You're here. Do you, th- do you think, and we don't have to discuss this, but do you, do you think it's, malicious intent or just not paying attention on the front side? Well, I'd, I'd say it's not paying attention in both scenarios on the front end. I, I, I actually thought I did a pretty good job, but you just don't know what you don't know until you know it. And then looking back, you're like, okay, I could have tweaked this there, that. And, and it really wasn't like a, a terrible contract or scenario uh, for either one of us. It just was just that the other end of the bargain just didn't get held up really is more than anything. And so um, because of those actions, then further, you know, steps have to be taken, which is just where it's just like, dang, dude, we didn't have to do this. You know, we could have just, could have just like executed this thing. Like you said, you were going to, and everybody would have been fine. It would have been a win-win, but now we kind of got to get sticky because you, you are making bad decisions. So the paying attention on the backside too, is what I have seen, not only just in this scenario, but in even, uh, mastermind members of gathering the Kings, it's like, when you when you just don't pay attention enough to detail, I'm not saying that you got to be a perfectionist, but in my opinion, you can't have this large amount of success without order. And, and I'm not a fan of necessarily like one, two, three, four, and, and you and no flexibility. And like, it has to be the same. Like I, I'm not like that either, but there has to be order. And when someone doesn't operate in order, which is the example that on the other side of this, this uh, situation, it's not malintent or, or malicious intent. He's just not operating in any order whatsoever. And it's just like this tornado, you know, and that's the unfortunate part, you know, going back to your kind of your five steps there, you know, probably up until the philosopher, that's how that dude's operating is just grind, hustle, tornado, grind, hustle, tornado, you know, and it just takes a little bit more intentionality, a little bit more order, not a little bit, a lot of bit more. Order. Let's just be honest. Even for the folks that are like not orderly at all, they need to put people around them that are orderly. <laughs> right. You know, Are you still, you still have ownership in that one or. You're, um, it's just it's a, yeah. It's just, it's the financing part of the agreement. Yeah. So that's, that's my connection to that. So it's hopefully, hopefully with the uh, new, new set of terms that he'll start putting in the work in the right direction. You know, that's, yeah. that's the only thing I can hope, you know, worst case scenario, you, you, you take, Calculated risks. We do this as entrepreneurs. I took a calculated risk. There's hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake. And if I don't get it, um, I mean, obviously I'm not going to just be like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. No big deal. Uh, there'll be you know further action taken. But at the end of the day, when I signed the deal, I knew just like when I, you know, back in 2017 and I threw 30 K into Bitcoin, it was just like, <laughs> right. I could <laughs> never see this again. You know, and my wife's like, are you serious right now? I'm like, yeah, you just wait. And thank goodness that worked out. But, um, but that's how you have to do it. It's a calculated risk. It's like, what's the upside? I know there's downside. You know, I did this thing the other day. Maybe you've done this with like a wealth planner, you know, like they've got this, this target thing that they take you through as far as like trying to understand your risk, you know, mm-hmm. uh, adverseness. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, so like you did this, this thing that the simulator that moved across the screen. And it was like, you know, the, the number on top, the return gets bigger, but so does the risk. And he's like, just stop me whenever you feel that little inkling of like, Ooh, a little uncomfortable. And, uh, 
and I just didn't. He moved it all the way across. He was like, well, I can't, we use culture index. So do they. So he kind of knew a little bit of like who I was before we got on the call. He's like, I can't say I'm shocked. Um, but you're one of two ever to not stop me. It's like, well, for me, it's like, as long as it's calculated, you know, I can see the return. I can see the possible negative. If I've got other things going on that can cover that negative, then, then it's only upside in my opinion, you know? Yeah. Glo the global picture, right? Yeah, I was, exactly. I was talking with a financial guy yesterday that we met out in Austin and it was a, it was a similar conversation. And I said, I ask, and I want, I want to ask you more about that risk averse thing too, because I've heard, I've heard and seen, you know, ev everyone's all about the risk until the market dips 10% and they're like, sell, 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 sell. <laughs> you know, and they freak out. But so I want to ask you about that, but I was on the phone with this guy and I said, I always ask money managers to, two really kind of dickish questions. I say, has any active money manager ever beaten the market over time? And two, what does a 1% fee cost me compounded over 30 years? When you answer those two questions, then we'll continue the whole rest of their spiel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and they, sh I mean, those are both pretty easy answers uh, fr from a calculated perspective that compounding one is, is, is an interesting one. I had, I was probably 24 with my first experience with, with that type of professional. And, um, and I didn't know how to articulate this at the time. Um, probably similar to you <laughs> just where it's like, I put a hundred dollars or a hundred thousand dollars into a business. I, I know I'm betting on me. So I know that there's a return there and way greater than a market, but Hey, cool. I'll sit down with you. Sure. Why don't you show me your stuff? And he was just offended. <laughs> You show me yours, I show you mine. Like uh -huh. this, like what we learned. It works in all scenarios. Teenagers, you know? <laughs> I mean, I guess not. Okay, fine. Um, no big deal. So, anyway, I work with. Actually, there's a there's a guy in our group that uh, just does this super super well, and he just he's just one of those guys that just is like, look, man, it doesn't always have to be about the market. In fact, he loves alternative stuff. We're into some equipment, this, that, and the other. I'm trying to look for write offs at the end of the year, and so he's creative, but at the same time, he's like, look, man, like. This is how it's done. Like, here's the systematic, just don't think about it, legacy. Then here's the fun, creative stuff. It's like, yes, let's do both. You know? Yeah. That, that's been my experience. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this and that listen to your show is that I'm into cars and bikes and real estate and boats and stuff I can flip. And like, yeah, I got a 401k at Vanguard and I've got, you know, I, I get yeah. it. I've got some of those protection things in place. But if you took a percentage return on anything I've done. I mean, it's in the stratosphere. It's like, I'm never going to just put, I know I can go buy a 64 galaxy tomorrow on a good deal, throw 10 grand in my pocket. Like it's just, and they don't understand that just, and that's a real yeah. basic example, right? And you get into houses and stuff, obviously those numbers 10 and hundred yep. X, but it's yeah, a money manager that gets that. And then the question becomes for me at least is, and then how are you going to help me? You're going to help me find deals. Are you going to put, you know, right. then it's just your network. So am I just paying for your network? Yeah. 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 Which in uh, some circumstances is worth it. Um, you know, but uh, I, you know, unfortunately it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse uh, for guys like us because we are um, smart enough to be able to break away from the masses. Uh, but we're arrogant enough to not, you know, like, <laughs> To vibrate with with some things that are like working, you know, and it's like, nah, I'm just gonna do my own thing, you know, like, okay, uh, luckily, it's worked out. Um, and, I, and I say luckily, loosely, because it's obviously not luck, it's 
strategic and sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. Like that's just how it works. You got to zoom out. I've lost a lot of money, but we've made a lot of money. Okay, fine. Like let's just keep going in that trajectory or trajectory. Yeah. I was listening to a good, uh, we had, we had a group call with Hormozy a couple of weeks back, which was, I awesome. saw this on Facebook, bro. Yeah. Dude, Tell me yeah. about this. Like an hour and a half with them, which, you know, guys just a legend, but yeah, um, it's that even when you lose, you still won because you take, you take all of those lessons and all of that learning and everything into, as long as you don't quit. The only way you lose yeah. is if you quit. Yeah. You know, I've done, I was talking with Nicole about that this morning, like just so, so many business ideas in so many ways that I've, you know, things just haven't worked out, but, but did they not work out? <laughs> you know, I, I learned something every one, but. Yeah. Um, or you meet somebody or you, I mean, I guess you're going back to your market example, you know, you, you buy, you know, the S and P 500, just basic, whatever they're telling you. But as long as you don't sell, you don't lose. Like, I mean, there's obviously some nuance to that, but generally, um, same thing with real estate, same thing in business. Like, you know, you don't want to hold on to a lemon in, in any endeavor, but for the most part, it's like, man, just, just, just zoom out, make a 10 year or a 20 year. I was talking to a guy on my show yesterday. He was like, you got, uh, we were talking about his 30 year planning process. And, uh, and I don't think most people think in 10 years, let alone 30. And I'm like, dude, I'll tell you something crazy. I haven't told anybody I'll tell you, I should have used this earlier. Uh, I was like, I'm working on a hundred year family mission. And maybe I should, and I, mean, I was inspired by the guys that said he'd do a thousand year plan. I was like, geez, I'm only thinking a hundred years. You're thinking a thousand years. Whoa. All right. <laughs> Time to level up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that macro that's so hard, right. In the moment. Yeah. Hey gang, it's Roderick. And I hope you're enjoying today's show. What I've found as a lifelong entrepreneur, and certainly in coaching other entrepreneurs around the world for the last 20 years, is that we all pass through five phases on our business journey, from the believer to the business Buddha. You need the first two, you want the last two, but sadly, most of us get stuck in the middle and start the cycle over, some of us forever. Knowing where you are reveals a clear path for where you need to go. I've created a free quiz that when answered honestly, will tell you where you currently are, but most importantly, will reveal your next steps. You can take the quiz right now at milliondollarflipflops.com forward slash quiz. This has taken me 20 years of in the trenches trial and error to develop, and it's designed to change the way you look at your business and your life forever. Are you the showman? Are you the anxious philosopher? Maybe you're the peaceful warrior. There's only one way to find out. Take the free quiz now at milliondollarflipflops.com forward slash quiz and see where you land. The results may shock you. Now back to the show. What's your qualifier for a business that is not working? You know, at, at what point is it, I need to give it time? And at what point is it this, I need to change business? Ooh, that's a good question. I think that there's like a practical, um, like looking at it as a machine and what part of the machine, you know, isn't working and can it be fixed? Uh, and then I think that there's like an emotional connection of like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing now? And And I'll give you an example there, even in my own, like, you know, edible arrangements um, as a franchise, you know, I went zero to seven locations from 24 to 29 years old, three states, 65 employees, millions of dollars in sales. And I was that chaotic, you know, I can't remember which step, maybe step two. The showman. The showman. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot harder than they told me it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, is. But 
yeah, I think that there were there were pieces in that that were uh, broken that I eventually had to I could figure out. You know, like for for example, Valentine's Day is just extremely difficult in that franchise. Like we'd go from about sixty five employees to like four hundred and fifty. No joke. And for about four days, you know, finding four hundred people in a three week period of time for four days worth of work is just hard. And so I could fix those things. I could get really good at those things. But then eventually came to the place where I was like, okay, I've learned a bunch. And actually, I can take these skill sets and I can get a better leverage point over here. There was nothing really wrong with this business. It's really designed for a one or two or three location. Most franchises are. And I had kind of broken the system with seven uh, in my 20s, not having a clue what I was doing. And so it's like, but if I could take that same energy, that same lessons that I've learned, all the you know, team building and sales and marketing, all this stuff, but I could apply it in this business, in this vehicle, it's more of a vehicle question. I was just in a, I was in a vehicle, but it wasn't going as fast as I wanted it to. So that was the decision for me. And again, I still own a few of those, but it's more of a like, okay, if I, the same knowledge that I have, the same effort that's being put in just gets me a better return. It's just a better lever um, over here or over here or over here. And that's in essence, what's been my personal evolution in business. But I think that that's the question is, can it be fixed? You know, like I can think of a remodeling business that's in our portfolio if there's a part of the sales process that's broken, we're not going to have deals. And so I could be easily frustrated with that business, not making money, but that can be fixed. Um, it's either a person or a process issue. Most likely, you know? Yeah. What's the constraint? What's the yeah, constraint? Exactly. Man, remodeling business. That's PTSD for me. You know, I was oh. custom, custom home builder for well, that's right. 15 years in Charlotte and Boy, you can learn to hate people in a hurry in that. Yeah, especially <laughs> in the custom world, man. We oh, just man. had a custom home built. I'm, I'm sure my dude hates me. You're with people for two years. Think about what happens in your life in two years. Oh, yeah. And who do you take it out on when you're not in your house? Yeah. Yeah, especially <laughs> especially a high, a high moving, highly detailed individual. I'm sure he hates me. But, yeah. you know, it wasn't going to be wrong. We were going to do it together. I wasn't going to let it be wrong. That, I tell you that it's probably a good segue because that that was a business that I probably could have had I done it over I would have kept, I would have stayed smaller. We got to where our our average remodel was over half a million dollars, and complex historic projects and oh yeah, um, good money. You know you're making a lot of money in theory per per project, but right. had I done it again I would have stayed smaller. Kitchens and baths knocking them out in six weeks, you know, I'm in, right. I'm out, it's high, high profit areas. And that business, I just shut down. I just stopped doing it. And after putting so much blood, sweat, heart, soul, tears, the whole deal into it, you know, and yeah. people ask well, why, and it was, well, what, what are my options? You know, I can, I can start to hire up, pick myself out of it, sell the brand, which is hard to do in a construction company until you're really big. Or I can start to scale down, which is an ego hit. And then, well, weren't you the guy doing the big thing? Now you're just doing this, you know? And so I was just like, I'm just not going to do it at all. And I, that's when I started the, or I ramped up the other side of the real estate company, which ended up being the short-term rentals and everything. But yeah. um, have you ever had that experience where you just, you just stopped? Yeah. Um, I closed one of those seven locations and I, I wasn't forced to. Um, you know, it wasn't like I couldn't make payroll. It was a scenario, I think maybe it was in the midst of COVID where the landlord was a little bit, actually, no, 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 they were not flexible. That was not, it was, it was before COVID. I was trying to get my wheels turning here, but I still had to pay the rent on that location. I had two locations in that city 
I built them a year apart and uh, they were both doing okay. But I just did the calculation. If I serviced the whole area out of one location, even though I was still paying the rent over here for another like 15 or 16 months, it was still going to be more profitable. And so mm -hmm. for whatever reason, the franchise let me do this. The landlord was not, it was the franchisor that was flexible. And uh, I just stopped. I just shut it down. It was so weird because I'm the one, you know, back in my early 20s that drove down there and like installed the equipment and I was up late at night, like setting up the security cameras and, you know, like doing the thing. And, um, it was so weird to like, see it all come down and it, it, it felt like a failure, but it was like a strategic move. It was, it was a very weird moment, you know? Yeah. I'm very, probably similar to yours. I mean, you, if you chose to stop, like that means you found a different lever point, you know, I have new information. Now I get to make a different decision. I mean, I just think that's that's our journey. It's just as long as I can get data points, I can make really good decisions. I try to make as the best decisions that I can. Sometimes I I miss, but then I try to get more data points. Okay, great. Now let's adjust. Let's make the next decision. You know, oversimplification, but that's what it is. <laughs> Do you think how attached are you to to say houses, cars, locations? This is, and then I'm going to go have a part B to this question, but how, yeah, how attached like are you to stuff? Yeah. Whether it's a yeah. business or a vehicle, let's say. Okay. That range. Uh, zero, like probably like over here, almost robotic or systematic. And like, I've had to learn empathy really <laughs> is probably what was the disconnect there on the culture index. I'm a nine logic. Um, and so it's like, you know, this just doesn't make sense. Again, seven locations of edible arrangements. That was my first kind of go at business. Um, I don't even like fruit, bro. <laughs> I don't even like fruit. I didn't, I never even ate. I mean, there's a couple pieces. I like the chocolate dip strawberries, but that's about it. You're like, like, you don't the, even you eat your... like the chocolate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you don't even, what? I'm like, yeah, man, I just don't like, I, I, I like the, I like the widget of business. I like winning. You know, we, I had a conversation with a good buddy of mine years ago. We looked at a, I think it was like a carpet cleaning franchise or something together. <laughs> and he was like, you know, I just don't know if I could see myself cleaning carpets every day. That thought had never even crossed my mind. You want me to clean carpets? You want me to clean toilets? You may cut fruit? Like it, I do not care. If it builds the thing that I'm trying to get to, then that's the target. I'm, I'm not talking about what I'm doing today. Who cares what I'm doing today? So to answer your question, I just sold my truck to the remodeling company probably four or five months ago. I, I don't even have a car yet. <laughs> I love it. My wife's got her van and we're just chilling. I'm just rolling in the minivan. And I, <laughs> I had a buddy the other day. He was like, I don't even know what to think of this. Like, are you a minimalist? Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know, man. Like maybe, maybe, I mean, I've been kind of peeping out some nice cars, but like, what do I need? I don't go anywhere. I'm here on zoom with coach Roderick, you know, like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, what, where am I going? Anyway, I'm, a, I'm always curious if that, if there's a correlation there because, you know, people make fun of me. They're like, you know, the only thing, well, my dog passed, but the only thing Roderick could ever keep would be Nicole and Marley, you know, and, and everything, everything else is always for sale. Yep. You know, I might have just bought something. Yeah, yeah, it's for sale if you're interested. You know, it's, and I think it's just oh, yeah. the way we're wired. It's just, and the same thing with the business. You know, it's not. Yeah. And what what brought that up for me is you talking about being at that shop. You know, kind of putting your own grit into the place, and where a lot of people would have an attachment to that. And I think that's where they go wrong. They stay they stay way too long because they have an emotional attachment to the thing. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's interesting because we just built that home I was telling you about, and we hadn't even moved in yet. Now, the scenario, the backstory there is, is that we had we thought about building, and then we moved to South Florida. You asked about you know moving across the country. I moved my entire family. My son was like three weeks old when we moved. I'm like, hey, here we go. 
Um, but we came back to Kansas City because our little project was done down there. And uh, my wife was like, hey, I'd really like to build our family, like for real, for real in Kansas City. Okay, great. Sounds good. So we come back and we're like, okay, we should look seriously now at building. And we build through COVID. Like, you know, this is a long process. And uh, we hadn't even moved in. And I'm like, hey, if we sold this right now. <laughs> and this is a woman who's like, look, man, you have drugged me across the country. We've been in all these different rental homes that you keep buying. And I've just been following your lead here. I need a freaking place to settle down. And I'm like, hey, if we sold, we you, you see how much equity we got in this sucker? Like, we just, you know, da, da, da. And she's like, you better, you better sit down. <laughs> That's so I it. Sat down for a little while. That should be an episode of, you know, me and Nicole do this partnerpreneur segment on the show. And it's, it's just the two of us talking, but that's exactly a perfect topic to talk about because yes. similar scenario. I, I was in Charlotte and I sold, it's like the most expensive house in that neighborhood in this historic district. And I just got lucky. Like it just it took off in there and I had that house and a rental down the street. And so I bought the duplex across the street and I, I redid one side. I was going to live there and I was going to rent the other side. I'd always have, I've never had a property where there wasn't something that was paying the bill, right? Like sure. it, yeah. whether I build something out back or it's a, some kind of Airbnb or something. And then I was like, but if I rent both sides, I can buy this townhouse that's two streets over and then I'll just live there and it'll be great. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I was closing on the townhome and I go, but if I rented the townhome, I ended up mm -hmm. in an, a $600 apartment because I was like, I'm traveling all over the world anyway. I'm never here. So I, yeah. I didn't end up living in any, <laughs> you know, I've got an apartment uptown. So I love it. And, but now I couldn't do that. Like, no way Nicole would let me do that. No. And I think that that's good for us. Like, I think still today, people like you and I, if we didn't have that, we would probably still be in the $600 apartment and it's no big deal. Right. Um, but there is, there is um, another piece of the puzzle when we're talking about, again, globally, there's been, I could have, <clears throat> I could have run faster and probably made millions more without Julie and the kids. But then when you look at it like holistically and you're like, well, wait a second, the person that it takes to be able to win like that with character and integrity and the person that I would have wanted to be, I don't know if I would have been able to become that person without her and the kids. Like it's a, it's just a huge piece. I'm sure you guys talk about this on your segment, but you know, that, that marriage <clears throat> mastermind um, is a so much bigger piece than I think entrepreneurs give it credit to. I think it's like a very big, like number two on the list you know, scenario other than, you know, what you're putting in your own self, probably, you know? Yeah. I think that is the, that is why I don't work with people. Typically they're in the first two levels. Like if you're a believer, you're late stage showman. And the reason, you know, the reason I say you have to have a, you know, seven or eight figure business isn't about, it has nothing to do with the total. It has to do with you figuring out that money is not the only answer to every problem. Yeah, and I don't know how to teach that to somebody. I think you have to learn that on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's like the 30 year, 100 year, you know, plan. Like, I mean, maybe I'm here in 100 years. Probably not. Maybe 136, you know, maybe there's technology and, and health stuff that's happening right now. Maybe, maybe. But here's the thing is that most likely that's going to have to be perpetuated by my children and my grandchildren, which have everything to do with me while I'm here and then not. And so when you can think beyond individually yourself, but now I'm even thinking beyond generations, like just put you in a place where you're like, okay, it, it has to be, I mean, well, first off, we need a lot of money. So we got to, we got to, we got to raise the target and really go hard. 
but it's not about that. It's about, it's about what is our family doing? Like, who are we impacting? What, what are the systems that we're setting up really supporting just so that we can all drive fast cars and live in nice places? I don't even do that now and I can do it. And I literally choose not to like, literally like my conversation with that tax guy the other day was like, Hey, so like, if, uh, if you don't find me a strategy to put some money in, I'm going to have to go buy a G wagon and I don't really want to. So please, cause that's the only, sh it's the showman thing to do when I need a tax write off and I don't want to do that. So help me find a different way. <laughs> that's the guess could be the show title. She has, I have to buy a G wagon. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the spot that I'm in. I'm like, dang, dude, I might have to buy a G wagon. Please don't make me buy a G wagon. I don't want one. I do want one, but I don't want one, you know? Fortunately, I'm a, I'm a classics guy. So, you know, my stable right now is a 31, a 32, a 50, and then the new, the new diesel truck to pull them around. But, um, so talk, let's talk about your mastermind for a minute and then I'll let you go. I know you're a busy guy, but I want to lead into it with what part of that kind of legacy building hundred year plan, how am I impacting the people around me is a part of gathering the Kings. Yeah. Well, just like with you, man, like when you can, when you can help someone see things differently, I mean, that that's, that's what Napoleon Hill says a mastermind is, right? It's you and me right now. And together collectively, we're trying to add value to the audience and, and help each other even. And so unto that definite purpose, we're working in harmony and, and our minds come together and it creates something new. And out of this talk, someone's going to be impacted, maybe even one or both of us. And it's like, when you have that perspective of my family unit, and then on top of that, then who we impact, one of your uh, members or one of your people that you're coaching, or someone that's part of my mastermind, it's like, if you can help them change their perspective based on just the room or the environment or something that you were able to share or something that they saw you do, they saw me choose not to do a G-Wagon and I chose to make an investment for my family that's going to pay me 10 and 20 years from now. And they go, whoa, that's like really impactful, dude. Like you all the reasons in the world, even tax wise to like buy this thing. And you're not like, that's like scratch my head, perspective changes, then their life changes. His grandchildren are thinking differently because of this one thing way back in the day that he saw someone else do. Maybe I have a relationship. Maybe I don't, maybe they're listening to this podcast. It's like, Ooh, when you think of the gravity or the weight of that, you're like, okay, that's what I'm freaking made for right there. I don't even know the impact, the ripple. Right. But it's like, when you have that as the North star, Oh, let's go. I don't know. Make sense for you? Yeah, no, 100%. I, th I think there's why well, I wrote the book, you know. And what was cool was I was on your show like the day of book launch or the day before yeah. or something. We were in Austria. Yeah, but, I think you were traveling. Yeah. And I had no idea if I would sell five books, if I would sell, you know, and we ended up hitting number one in seven categories. And love it. Um, there was a crazy stat that pr probably only you and no one else listening to this would appreciate, but <laughs> I, I wanted to hit top 100,000 of all books. And that's 30 million books. That's Obama and the Bible and Prince Harry. <laughs> you know, it's like you're literally competing. It's $100 million leads. It's everything. And we hit 15, I think it was 1563 or 1564 of all books on Amazon. And I don't share that stat with a lot of people because, because it doesn't make sense, right? They're like, cool, you're number 1500. Yeah, like, but, good job. Uh, huge number, huge number. But yeah. the reason I wrote the book was for that one guy or gal who's going to read it someday and one page in there that's going to make them think and it's going to, it's going to change their trajectory. Yeah. And that, that weight you talk about, I remember when I got my letter from the library of Congress and like my book is in the library of Congress and I'm like, man, you know, 5,000 years from now, they're going to protect that place. And that million dollar flip flops is 
be there still. <laughs> that and the American House Republic. In Million dollar flip flops. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Anyway, um, I'm going to ask you an off the wall question and then I'm really going to let you go. Okay. You've got $100,000 to invest. You're not putting it in your own business. What do you do with yeah. it right now? I guess it, uh, there's so many questions I have around that um, to really make a good decision. I need more data points. Um, well, the, the, the two things I'm looking at right now, because this is just really real, is I'm looking at equipment that can be re rented construction equipment. And I'm looking at uh, oil and gas, uh, just two alternative ways to be able to invest money, uh, see a return and then also see depreciation. That's the biggest reason though, uh, since we've just got done talking about this, if those, if I wasn't looking for that specific depreciation moment, and I was just looking for the next thing, it would be real estate in some form or fashion. I don't know if a hundred thousand dollars would get me that, but I'd probably hold on to it until I had a couple more hundos. And then I would uh, go buy a piece of property that that uh, would be a legacy piece. So I'm I'm kind of doing that right now. I've got a piece of property that's for sale, um, should be a seven figure uh, exit, and then um, a couple of pieces that are coming together. I want to go buy then then you know the next roll it in. So that's probably what I would do is just add to that fund. Man, real estate is so boring, <laughs> but so perfect for it's so getting. Perfect. But um, I, I'm, I'm sure it's Grant Cardone or somebody that says, don't get rich quick, but get rich for sure. And it's like, look, I've already proven to myself and to those that are around me that I can make money, that I can exchange time for money. But if I really want my kids and my grandkids to have a family office and to be able to make decisions that impact millions of people, possibly, they can't be changing active time for money. So I need to teach them more than just my sales skills, more than just my ability to build a team. It's got to be much, much bigger than that. Amazing. People want to find you. How do they find you? Yeah. Gatheringthekings.com. Uh, that's our peer to peer mastermind, as you mentioned. Um, really, it's a, it's a big old group of people that are grateful, but not done. Um, there's a gratefulness of how far we've come and thankful, uh, maybe even peaceful, as you described. But there's this uh, innate fire in us that's like, no, nah, it doesn't even matter how big the mountain is or that I've already climbed. There's another one. Let's go. So that's how they can reach me. Um, I look forward to connecting with uh, or serving anybody that's uh, connected to you because a friend of Roderick is a friend of mine. Amazing. Thanks for coming on the show, bro. Okay. Talk soon. All right. Cheers. See you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Million Dollar Flip Flop Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you listen on. If this episode make you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. If you want to see more behind the scenes with Roderick and his guests, be sure to find them on Instagram. It's also where we can have deeper conversations on these episodes. Go to www.instagram.com forward slash million dollar flip flops. Until next time.